Hello and welcome to Sportivation. I am your host, Thomas Jones IV. I know that a lot of live sports have been going on, uh, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, hockey, and I've been using the last few weeks to preview the NFL as well as do a preview of the NBA. But I wanted to get back to the motivational aspect of this podcast. And there was a story in the National Hockey League I saw last week when the Philadelphia Flyers were taking on the New York Islanders in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference semifinals. A player by the name of Oscar Lindblom, who was diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer back in December, was back out on the ice just six months after he had finished his chemotherapy treatments. So I wanted to spend the time today to discuss Oscar Lindblom's story. The Philadelphia Flyers going into this season were not necessarily a team on a lot of analysts' radars to be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. And even amongst the Flyers, Oscar Lindblom was not a player a lot of fans had heard of before. He's been with the organization since 2017, playing for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms in their minor league system and being called up this season to play winger for the Philadelphia Flyers. He's 23 years old, youngster guy, and was really looking to carve a role in this Flyers offense. He's going into a contract year, which means that at the end of the season, he was scheduled to be a free agent. So whenever a player is going into a contract year, this is their opportunity to really show their skill set and to really prove to the organization that they deserve to stay and get re-signed. And if not, put themselves in a position to get a contract elsewhere. Going into the season, Lindblom worked really hard in the offseason, did a lot of workouts, a lot of practice on his own to get into the starting lineup. And first-year head coach Elaine Vigneault rewarded him by putting him on the second line. So to start the season, Lindblom was on fire. He had 10 goals and was averaging 17 minutes and 37 seconds on ice per game, which is very good considering the fact that most of the stars on the NHL, those first line guys are getting about 20 minutes to 30 minutes a game. So Lindblom was starting to see more and more playing time. He was scoring goals, which is great for a forward. That's what you want to do. He was also very physical. He had a decent amount of hits those first few games. And around the end of November, after one of the Flyers games uh, on the road, Lindblom came back home to Philadelphia and was spending time with his girlfriend in his apartment. And he noticed there was a bump right on the right side of his rib cage. And at first glance, he attributed that bump to normal maintenance and wear and tear from playing hockey. Again, these are very physical athletes. They hit each other with regularity. So he just thought that it was one of those bruises that came from being checked, forechecked or hit by somebody. And it was his girlfriend who insisted that he get it checked out a few days later when the bump had still been on his ribcage. It didn't didn't, uh, get any smaller. It didn't go away. It was still there. And to cause some concern for her, she said, you know, go ahead and get it checked out. That's that's the least you can do. Don't ignore it. So Lindblom took the advice of his girlfriend and went to 
the Philadelphia Flyers medical staff to receive a CAT scan. And on November 29th, he went in to get the CAT scan and it came back inconclusive. So there are a ton of thoughts going through Lindblom's mind. Not really sure if he should worry about it. On the ice, he didn't really think about it, but once he got off and the game was over, that's when those thoughts started to come back of what, what could this possibly be? And, you know, assuming the worst, but expecting the best. So after that CAT scan had come back inconclusive, the medical staff decided to give Lindblom an MRI as well as a biopsy. So Lindblom played four more games before receiving news as to what was causing this bump. And he received a phone call from his teammate, Robert Hag to come down to the lobby. This is a game where they were, excuse me, this was after a game against the Colorado Avalanche. And they were sitting in the hotel room. Lindblom receives a call from Robert Hag, his teammate, to come down to the lobby. Lindblom walks down. He sees not only Robert Hag, but he also sees Jim McCrossin, who is the director of medical services for the Flyers. And the looks on both McCrossin and Hag's face indicated to Lindblom that something was very, very wrong. They didn't tell him what it was. They instead ushered him to meet with the head coach, Elaine Vigneault. And once they were in his office, the three of them, as well as Lindblom, decided to go over the diagnosis. And that was when Lindblom received the news that he was diagnosed with Ewing's sarcoma, which is an extremely rare bone cancer that typically happens to children, not necessarily someone of Lindblom's age. He was 23 years old. And of course, when Lindblom heard this news immediately, he was distraught and in a daze, not really sure what was next. A million thoughts running through his head, wondering if this would be the end of his career, if this was life-threatening, what the treatments would be, how rigorous those treatments would be, how the side effects of those treatments would, af would affect his body. So many thoughts going through Lindblom's mind. And a couple of days later, he met with Dr. Lee Hartner, the clinical director of sarcoma, sarcoma medical oncology at University of Pennsylvania Hospital. And at this point, this is where Dr. Hartner went over the game plan of how they were going to attack the sarcoma. So Lindblom was extremely fortunate in a couple of areas. One, the fact that the sarcoma originated from Lindblom's rib cage and not his leg or his pelvis. Ewing sarcoma affects roughly one in one million people in the U.S. per year. And in most cases, the cancer begins in the leg area, whether it's your fibia, tibia. And in most of those cases, a leg has to be amputated for the cancer to not metastasize or spread. So with Lindblom, it was in his rib cage and it had not started to spread at this point. It was caught early enough that they were able to provide chemotherapy treatment and the possibility of surgery. So because of this, he did not have to have his leg amputated. He did not have to worry about that at all. Instead, Lindblom was going to be placed on 
cycles of chemotherapy. And he also found out that because of where the cancer had begun, there was an 80% survival rate. So it was a very good prognosis for Lindblom that he was at the very least going to survive this bout. There were still lingering questions about whether or not he could ever play hockey again. And rightfully so, most people in that situation, a normal person was not going to be able to go back out and do some physical activity. Their, their immune systems are going to become much weaker and they're not going to be able to get back to that full strength. And one thing that is important to note is Lindblom's personality with the team. He was the most positive guy in the locker room, always had a smile on his face, always finding joke or the bright side of something. And that positivity really rubbed off on the rest of the Philadelphia Flyers team. And when they heard the news, of course, they took it even harder than Lindblom did. They were, of course, concerned about his future and what was going to happen with his career. So the first thing that happened with Lindblom after he went over the game plan with Dr. Hartner is that Lindblom had to have a port device implanted and attached to his chest in order for them to administer medicine, which is an extremely uncomfortable thing to have to deal with. Then he would go on two week cycles of receiving chemotherapy and the first cycle, which was known as the A cycle, consisted of a full day session for one day and then a week and a half of rest where the B cycle was much more rigorous. It entailed five straight sessions during the week with each session lasting two to four hours. Let's talk about that for a second. I mean, that is something that is extremely difficult to endure. The first session, again, having to sit for chemo for two to four hours is one thing, but to have five straight sessions during the week, Monday through Friday, two to four hours each day had to be such an emotional drain and physical drain on Lindblom. But what was amazing about this when I read this story is even through all of these sessions, while he was losing his strength, his hair, maybe his mental in a sense, he still had a smile on his face. He was still remaining positive through everything that was happening to him. And on top of having these two treatments in that period between the A cycle and the B cycle, so the, that week and a half of rest, Lindblom had to take additional medication and that would require him to give himself injections. Some common side effects of the chemotherapy included nausea, exhaustion, as well as loss of hair, loss of appetite. And Lindblom, despite these side effects, somehow managed to find the strength to go on walks with his dog and his girlfriend in the Philadelphia area. And the reason he wanted to do that was to maintain the physical shape to one day get back on the ice and get back into playing the sport that he loved and he came over from Sweden to play. Another big help for Lindblom's well-being emotionally was Robert Hag, his teammate. 
they lived in the same apart excuse me they lived in the same apartment complex in Philadelphia right next to each other so Robert Hack and his girlfriend would come and visit Lindblom and have dinner with him and just co-mingle talk about the team talk about life and just try to get his mind off of the cancer Lindblom would ride exercise bikes he would try to go for runs as well he even bought rollerblades to roll around the local parking lot just to stay in shape all while taking these chemo treatments all while giving himself medication all while having that thought in the back of his head wondering if he was ever going to play hockey again just truly amazing that he was this dedicated to staying in shape trying to fight cancer but also get himself healthy enough to get back on the ice it's it's incredible to think about at this point this is around early january of 2020 the national hockey league heard about this story and fans from all over the country sent limblom encouraging notes letters t-shirts different paraphernalia of uh, philadelphia flyers gear uh, just to keep him in their hearts and in their minds and the philadelphia flyers also started a organization to donate to the cancer society creating t-shirts that said oscar strong and were able to raise close to half a million dollars for this cause and on january 11th lindblom had enough strength to go to a philadelphia flyers game against the tampa bay lightning and when the jumbotron showed oscar lindblom in the executive suite the philadelphia flyer crowd went crazy gave him a standing ovation screamed his name going oscar 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 and just continued to support him and let him know that he was not going through this alone it was quite the display from philadelphia to see the support especially from this fan base if you know how philadelphia fans can be for them to be to rally around this young man and let him know that he's not going through this alone had to be a positive boost to his self-esteem and to his emotional well-being and it wasn't just the flyers fans that were in lenblom's corner he received a copy of Eddie Olchek's book titled Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life as Eddie Olchek who is the NBC Sports color commentator for hockey had colon cancer in 2018 and was able to beat it he also received a phone call from the legendary Mario Lemieux who played for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the early 90s and twice in his career he had to retire due to Hodgkin's lymphoma and he beat that cancer twice So having other hockey players former players that had been through what Oscar Lindblom was going through was yet another example of that brotherhood that sport provides where you might be going through something but there's always somebody else that has gone through it too that can give you those words of encouragement to keep you on the right mindset and to keep you going So fast forward to March of 2020. This is on March 3rd. This is about a third of the way through Oscar's treatment. Lindblom decided that he wanted to have surgery 
to remove the tumor that was embedded in his rib cage. In order for this to happen, a few of Lindblom's ribs had to be removed and reconstructed with Kevlar to maintain that structure. And those of you that don't know what Kevlar is, that's the material that police officers use on their bulletproof vests. So that's what had to be put inside of his ribs in order for them to maintain the cage structure and guard his lungs. After the surgery was completed, the tumor was removed successfully and they performed tests on the surrounding tissue and muscle in that area, which revealed that there was no cancer visible and more importantly, that the cancer hadn't spread. So by March, just a short three months after receiving the diagnosis, Lindblom was deemed cancer free, which again, having to deal with not knowing if whether or not you're going to play hockey again is one thing, but not knowing if you're going to live through this ordeal is another. And that was a huge hurdle for Lindblom to get over, to now focus on getting his body right to get back on the ice. Typically, in a normal year, he would have missed the whole season. Because of the treatment, it would have taken him another three months to get right. The Stanley Cup playoffs would have been completed by June. But those of you that know how this year has gone, know that just a week after this surgery on March 11th, the National Hockey League, along with the NBA and a few other sports in the days that followed, had to go on a hiatus due to the outbreak of COVID-19. And when this pandemic hit in mid-March, Lindblom was still receiving treatment and getting himself back to strength. And because of the pandemic, his girlfriend was not permitted to go with Oscar Lindblom to the hospital and Lindblom was isolated for an extended period of time and his immune system was deemed too weak to be cleared to resume skating and getting back on the ice so he was stuck essentially in a hospital bed for weeks and I know that a lot of people have felt this same way uh, over the last few months with this pandemic especially those months of March and April of the uncertainty of what was going to happen and being forced to quarantine and stay home for an extended period of time. Some people, you know, go stir crazy, whether it's the fact that you're having to watch your kids while working from home, being able to balance that. People that are used to having the routine of going to work and using that as their escape from their lives, not being able to do that anymore, being stuck at home. Those people that just love to be social and go out and have a good time with friends, not being able to see those, those, those close people for such a long time really messes with the psyche and Lindblom no different. He definitely suffered from depression, from anxiety during this period of time. But still, even though he was at a low point mentally, still wanted to see the light at the end of the tunnel, still was focused and affixed on the goal of getting back on the ice while having a smile on his face. Even though on the inside he might not have felt it, he still wanted to portray the positivity and never, ever, ever gave up. And after these few weeks had ended of him receiving the treatment and he was completed that in April, he gives a phone call to Jim McCrossin and essentially asks him if he can go out on the rink and just get some work in and to start skating because he felt as if he was well enough and strong enough to go back out on the ice. So McCrossin agrees 
and meets Lindblom at Wells Fargo Arena. And there's nobody else there. It's just Lindblom and Macrossan from who watches Lindblom skate around from afar. Lindblom's taking shots on goal. He's skating around through cones, running some personal individual drills. And Macrossan is just absolutely stunned at what he's seeing. Lindblom is looking as fit as he did back in November when he had the 10 goals. In just four months after receiving that diagnosis of cancer, is already starting to look like his old self. It is astounding. And Macrossan is talking to Lindblom and just saying, you know, this is amazing that you were already at this point. And Lindblom's response was, well, I'm just so, you know, I'm really tired, I'm exhausted right now, and I need to work harder. And Macrossan responds to that by saying, hey man, you just beat cancer in four months. Give yourself a break. You deserve an A plus for that alone. And it was just such an inspirational effort from Lindblom to see how he was able to fight through this cancer and how it galvanized the Philadelphia Flyers. So while all of this was happening for Lindblom, the Philadelphia Flyers were having themselves a surprise campaign of their own. I mentioned at the beginning of this show that the Flyers were not a team that the NHL had really taken seriously and thought they were going to compete in the Eastern Conference. It really was the Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, as well as the Washington Capitals. Those were really like the top three teams in the Eastern Conference going into the season, not the Flyers. Nobody really thought much of them. But they were the hottest team in the NHL when the league was halted due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And because of that hiatus, it allowed extra time for Lindblom to get back and to get healthy. That's one of the most amazing things to me about sport is the impact that one of your teammates is going through something, whether it's a trial, a tribulation, cancer, any type of adversity and how it galvanizes a team, it brings them closer. Just like the Miami Marlins a few years back when Jose Fernandez, their star pitcher, tragically died in a boating accident, the next day, the entire team were wearing Jose Fernandez jerseys and D Gordon, a player who was not a power hitter by any stretch of the imagination, led that game off with a home run. And you see him running around the bases with tears flowing down both of his cheeks because he knew that this game was so much more than just him and so much more than a baseball game. It had a feeling of just grieving the loss of a friend, a teammate, a leader in that locker room. And for Lindblom, this is very similar situation the team rallied behind him going to chemo every two weeks enduring both of those cycles and just fighting and clawing and gnawing his way to getting back to 100 percent and when robert hag was interviewed around february as the flyers were going on that nine game win streak he mentioned that he had struggled himself personally dealing with what was going through oscar going on with Oscar Lindblom, but he knew that it was not going to, he was not going to let it affect him on the ice. And in fact, the Flyers played even better without Lindblom. And this is not to say that Lindblom wasn't a good player for the team. He was an excellent player for them, but just not having him there and knowing that he's working to get back on the ice was enough for this team to fight and to just know that nobody could beat them and that they became such a close knit team. 
So we fast forward now to the restart of the NHL back in late July. And during the second phase of the restart where the players were allowed to start doing organized team activities, we see Oscar Lindblom out on the ice skating with his teammates. This is in early July, just seven months removed from having been diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. Truly inspirational that not only was he able to get back out on the ice, but you see him back out there smiling. He was so ecstatic and overjoyed to be back with his teammates, to be joking, to be skating around, playing the sport that he grew up working his whole life to get to this point. And then to see him in the Eastern Conference semifinals in a big playoff game with the Flyers down 3-2, to see the energy that he put out on the ice galvanized that team even further, allowed them to win that game. Unfortunately, the Flyers did not defeat the New York Islanders. The Islanders ended up winning game seven. But that does not diminish the value and the power of this story for Oscar Lindblom and the Philadelphia Flyers. And the reason that I really wanted to share this story with you is because we can take away a lot from what Oscar Lindblom went through. Because not only did he have cancer, he had to deal with this during a pandemic, during a time of uncertainty, which in a sense is a metaphor to cancer itself. There's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that. You don't know how you're going to get through it. We don't know how we're going to get through this time period. This is an unprecedented time. But what we can take away and what we do know is that we can put a smile on our face, we can remain positive, and we can continue to fight and we can continue to push forward. And the other aspect that I want to leave with you is talk to somebody. Have, whether it's a friend, a family member, a community leader, somebody, you should always have a Robert Hag in your life, somebody that is there for you that you can talk to about anything and to just have the ability to have someone like Hag in, in your life so that you can get through whatever this current adversity you're facing, whether it's you trying to get a job, uh, whether you're just trying to maintain your mental sanity, talk to somebody. I, I urge that everyone under the sound of my voice has that person in their life that they can reach out to and have that confidant or somebody that they can just use as an outlet. And same thing for yourself. Be that person for somebody else. That's what we need right now. We don't need hatred. We don't need negativity. We don't need fear. We need positivity. We need encouragement. We need compassion. That is what is going to get us through this time. And seeing this story just reiterated all of those values and reminded me again of a big reason why I started doing this podcast. I want to help people realize their potential and go out and be the best version of you that you can be. And in order to do that, you're going to have to have a support system. You can't do this alone. It, nothing in this life is ever done without help. You have to have somebody in your corner. You have to be positive. You have to stay encouraged. And I truly hope that those of you that listen to this podcast have an epiphany 
and realize that if you're going through a rut right now, if the bills are piling up or you know the kids aren't going back to school and you're going to have to babysit them while working from home and dealing with all of the other issues going on in this world, find somebody in your life that can keep you positive, keep you grounded and encourage you to keep fighting, just like Oscar Lindblom. Thank you. And I hope that we're able to have more of this discussion and more of these stories of encouragement through this unprecedented time. I know that for some people, they feel like this is never going to end. And I understand that. But everything in this life is temporary. It might not feel like it now, but we're going to look back at this time one day and realize that we made it through a global pandemic. We made it through a year of just so much sorrow and negativity, hatred, what have you. And if we're able to get through this, we can get through anything. Believe that. This is for most people, if not almost every person, this has to be the worst year of our lives. And that's okay. Because if this is the worst year of our lives, that means it's only gonna get better.